1, verse 18. This is a story that possibly you have heard before. Maybe for some of you, this, this may be the 500th time you've read this passage. For others, it may be the first. It's, it's a passage that often is read at Christmas, of course. We are approaching the time where we remember the birth of Jesus Christ. We, Wednesday night, looked at Mary and the angel appearing to Mary and her getting the news about the Messiah who would soon be born through her. And today we're going to look at Joseph. And we'll look at different, different characters in the story, again Wednesday night and next Sunday as we approach Christmas. But today we are going to talk about Joseph. So let's pray and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for your word. I pray, God, even with passages like this that perhaps we have read many times or heard many times that we don't tune out, dear Lord, because we, we know the story. We, we probably do, dear Lord. A lot of us, if not all of us, know this story well. But God, anytime we gather and read your word, your Holy Spirit can reveal something to us, can help us to see something perhaps in our life, could bring us some joy today perhaps, whatever it may be, God, you know where we are in life, and I pray that you would meet us where we are today. I pray that as we look at these words, that your Holy Spirit would draw us closer to you and that you would be glorified in all that is said and done here today. And I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Now, perhaps if we have heard or read through this story many times, maybe it's just, it's just become so normal to us that a virgin girl would become pregnant by the Holy Spirit that, that we may not really think about the significance of this or the power of this or the awesomeness of what has taken place here. I mean, this was a big deal. I mean, people didn't just get pregnant out of nowhere. I mean, the Lord appeared to Mary and, and, and or the angel appeared to Mary and said, look, you know, through the Holy Spirit, you're about to have a child. And Mary was like, okay, let it be. I mean... Like, that's just kind of a normal thing, but I can assure you that that was not a normal thing. I mean, the Lord was not just appearing to people on a normal basis. At least, it doesn't appear that way in Scripture. I mean, sometimes angels would appear to people, but that was probably a rare thing. And so for the fact that an angel would come to you and tell you, oh, by the way, you're fixing to have a child by the Lord, I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal that Mary had to go through. And here we see Joseph's account of that. Now, Mary is pregnant here by the Holy Spirit, and you really can't keep that kind of thing secret. I mean, you might can keep your pregnancy secret for a little while, but after a few months, word is going to get out. People are going to notice that you are pregnant. And Joseph here obviously realizes that Mary is pregnant. Now, he understands how things work. He, he knows that he and Mary had not been together, and she is pregnant, and you can imagine probably the the feelings that he had, that probably was a really difficult time for him. But, but we see a little bit of Joseph's character here because it said her husband Joseph being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly decided to divorce her secretly. 
So Joseph sounds like a pretty good guy. I mean, he comes to the knowledge that his wife, or soon-to-be wife, is pregnant. And he probably was heartbroken about this, as any man would be. Man, how could she do this to me? But he didn't make a big deal out of it. He didn't get on Facebook and say, let me tell you this. Let me tell you what she has done. Now, he could have made a big deal out of this, but he was a righteous man. And you can tell that he cared about her because he did not want to disgrace her. Now, in our culture, it's no big deal. In our culture, you hear of women that get pregnant, young, out of wedlock. It does not matter. Our culture really thinks nothing of it today, sadly. We should. We should think something of it. Uh, it should not be acceptable. But in this culture, it was certainly not acceptable. For someone to commit adultery, for someone to, to have a child out of wedlock, I mean, this was a big deal. This was a huge deal in those days. And so if it would have come out, if Joseph would have made a big deal about this, man, things, things would have been probably really <clears throat> bad for Mary. But Joseph was a righteous man. That's, that's good for us to see that we see through Mary and through Joseph here that they appear to be righteous men and women, and that would make sense. I mean, God chose them uh, to be the ones who were going to raise his son, who were going to raise the Messiah. And Joseph was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her, but he was going to divorce her. He wasn't going to follow through with the marriage. He had decided, look, I love Mary. I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. I don't want to embarrass you, but we're going to get a divorce, Mary. You can imagine. I mean, you can imagine how difficult that, that would have been. Let's continue on in the story. Verse 20. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph had made up his mind based on what he saw. What he saw was his soon-to-be wife was pregnant and the child was not his. And he had decided to divorce her, but the Lord interceded there. The Lord intervened. He said, look, Joseph, this child is my child. This child is from the Holy Spirit. Don't divorce Mary. Now, listen to how Joseph is addressed here. It says, Joseph, son of David. Now, there's little nuggets of information like that in Scripture that may, we may pass over without fully realizing the significance, but there is great significance here when we see that Joseph is referred to as the son of David. Now, when you read in Matthew and you read in Luke, you see some genealogies there of a bunch of names that you probably cannot pronounce. And why in the world do we have those passages in the Scripture? I mean, why do we need to know the genealogy, because that genealogy is showing us that all the way from the Old Testament, all the way up to Jesus, that he is the Messiah who is to come from the family line of David. Now, if you go back and you read in 2 Samuel chapter 7, we see this, this promise of David having one who will sit on the throne forever. Now, in the immediate context of that passage, it's speaking of David's son Solomon, who is going to reign after David. But, but it's also, it's, it's pointing us far out into the future, to the future that is Jesus Christ. And so sometimes we see people refer to Jesus as the son of David. And when they use that kind of language, it's almost certain that they realize, hey, this one that's called Jesus, he is the one who is to come. He is the one who is to sit on the throne of David forever. And so when we see the angel say, 
Joseph, son of David, there's some significance there that is to recall the reader to, hey, this one is the Messiah that was spoken of in the Old Testament. This one is indeed a son of David. That is to say, a descendant of David who was going to sit on the throne. And so when we look at those genealogies, we may be tempted to pass over them because we can't pronounce the names, but there is significance there. And a lot of time in those genealogies, you'll see a name here or a name there that you recall. Go back and research those names. Go back and read those stories. Go back and see how these people all play this part to get us to the Messiah. It's also a great reminder in these genealogies of just how much God has put everything together. All the way from Abraham up until the birth of Jesus Christ, God has put everything into place. And here comes one, the son of David. Here comes one from the tribe of Judah who is the Messiah, the son of God. So the angel appears to Joseph, son of David, and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she, gave, she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, that's what Jesus means. It means the Lord saves. Now, uh, Jesus is the Greek variant of the Hebrew name Joshua, uh, which means the same thing. The Lord saves. And that's exactly what God is going to do through Jesus the Messiah. He is going to save all those who will put their faith in him. And so the angel says, look. I know what your plans are. The Lord knows that you are planning to leave Mary, but don't do it. This is of the Lord. This is from the Lord. She's going to give birth to this child, and you are to name him Jesus. There's significance in that. We talk about that often. You know, our names, we probably aren't named because our name has significance. Our parents probably just like the way it sounded. But in the Old Testament, so many times we see that names have a meaning. They are important. When you hear a name, you know what that name means. At least probably many people in that culture did. And so Jesus was not just a name that Mary and Joseph thought. It was pretty. They weren't just going through the baby book and they said, hey, this Jesus, that's got a nice ring to it. No, this was significant. This name meant the Lord saves. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Verse 22. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Now, the prophet that's being spoken of here is the prophet Isaiah. That might be a good thing for you to read this week, Isaiah 7, 8, and 9. And you can kind of see this prophet, prophecy and what's going on in the context, but, but also what is pointing us to here. And, and Matthew tells us, okay, this that's taking place right now, that Mary has been uh, uh, impregnated by the Holy Spirit and is about to give birth to the Son of God, this was all prophesied by Isaiah. Verse 23. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, this passage in Isaiah, we won't spend much time on this today, but this passage in Isaiah is, is in some way a head-scratcher. Oftentimes, probably, we, we read Isaiah 7 or we read Isaiah 9, and we simply see Jesus in those passages, as we should. They are certainly pointing us to Jesus. We can be sure of that because Matthew tells us. But, but what we also have to remember in passages like that 
is they had an immediate context. That is, there was some fulfillment there of what took place in that time. Now, you will find many people who try to disprove uh, the Bible and say, oh, no, Mary wasn't a virgin. That word virgin could also mean young girl. It doesn't necessarily uh, mean virgin. Well, those arguments, I think, may fall flat on their face. Perhaps you could argue that in the context of Isaiah 7. Uh, maybe it was not speaking of a virgin there, or maybe it was. Maybe the, the child that was going to be born there uh, soon after the prophecy in Isaiah 7, maybe that came through a virgin. Maybe it came through a young woman. But there is no doubt for us in this passage of Jesus that it is speaking of a woman who has never been with a man and has never had a child before. We see that in Mary's account. We see that here in this account, that it is repeated that Joseph was not intimate with Mary. That detail is repeated for us. It is clear that, that this child is not just a human child. This is a child who came in the flesh, but in fact is God. We see that in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh, and the Word, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh in John 1, 14, and that is Jesus, God in the flesh, the Son of God. And so when we look at this passage in Isaiah chapter 7, it, it's certainly being fulfilled in some way in the immediate context. And you see that as you turn over into Isaiah chapter 8 because the next chapter a child is born. And there we see that name Emmanuel again. Now, right after that prophecy is given uh, in Isaiah chapter 7, you see mention of Assyria, and that's kind of what was going on in those days. There were a lot of bad people against God people. Who, God people, God's people were pretty bad in those days too. And in the context of that, we see that, that, that prophecy about Emmanuel, it, it means God with us. And so we see some immediate fulfillment there, but it's pointing us to something more, and we know that because of passages like this in Matthew. Now, we have to be careful with those things. Oftentimes, we'll see passages and say, well, that's got a dual fulfillment. And sometimes, maybe we try to make a dual fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies uh, where there is none. Uh, but in cases like this, it's clear to us that there was more to be fulfilled from Isaiah 7 because Matthew tells us. And the fulfillment is, you will see the virgin, she will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel. This was a miracle. This was a miracle. Virgins do not become pregnant and give birth to children. This was a miracle. But what about this? They will name him Emmanuel. Well, didn't they just say you were to name him Jesus? I mean, why didn't they name him Emmanuel if he was the Emmanuel to come? Well, again, that comes back to the meaning that is in a name. God is with us. That's what we see in Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 8, that, that name, Emmanuel, was simply a reminder, okay, God is with us. And that's what Jesus represented when he came. Again, John 1, 14, uh, and, and, and the word became flesh and took up residence among us. God dwelt among us through Jesus Christ, God with us. Now, we see a similar language when you, when you read on over into Isaiah chapter 9, where it says he will be named what? Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, Wonderful uh, Counselor. Those titles that we see of speaking of Jesus, no doubt. It says these will be his names, but, but those weren't his name. His name is Jesus. But all of these other names or titles represent who he is, what he does, what he comes to accomplish. And so when we see this Emmanuel prophecy in Isaiah, and here iterated again, we have to realize the significance in the name. 
And what is that significance? That God is with us. Now that is, that is a powerful thing for God's people in the Old Testament and for us today because, right, we, we're up against a lot of really hard things, a lot of difficult things, a lot of things that how are we going to make it through it? I mean, we're up against our sin and, and, and we're going to die and what are we going to do because of our sin and because of our death? Well, we're going to trust in the Lord who is with us in Jesus Christ. And that's the significance of the one who was coming. It was a reminder to the people that God has not forgot you, but God has established a plan. He has brought forth the Messiah, and through this Messiah who is coming, the one who is prophesied about, he will set up the kingdom of God. He will bring peace. He will bring forgiveness of sins. He is the Lamb of God, the Son of God, and the Messiah that we are looking for. And so what a beautiful thing for us today that God is with us, that God didn't abandon us to our sin, but God sent Jesus Christ, and God is with us still today so that we can be with God for all of eternity. So the Lord saves. Jesus means the Lord saves. Emmanuel means God is with us. So this was a beautiful fulfillment of all that God's people, or at least some of God's people, had been looking forward to, and it should be something that you and I are looking forward to. If you're looking for one to save you, one to bring you peace, one to be with you in all of the difficulties of life and the sin that you face, then we must look no further than Jesus, the Messiah. Let's see what Joseph's response was here in verse 24. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Now this is a miraculous thing to me. This is amazing to me. When I read this passage and I read the passage of Mary, the Lord appears to them. I mean, can you imagine an angel appearing to you and not just, I mean, that in of itself would have been a, a crazy thing to experience. I mean, there's a reason why angels always say, don't be afraid. It's, it's a pretty scary thing, I'm assuming, when an angel appears to you. And not only did an angel appear to Mary, but the angel said, oh, by the way, you're supposed to become pregnant, even though you've never been with a man through the Holy Spirit, and you're going to give birth to the Son of God. No big deal. And Mary says, okay, Lord, I'm your slave. I mean, that was her response when God says, this is what you are going to do. This is what I'm calling you to do. This is, what, this, this is your thing. You are the one who will do this. Mary says, hey, let it be as you say, Lord, I am your slave. And Joseph has a similar response here. Now, maybe Joseph, him and hauled and went back and forth with the angel. Maybe he thought about it for a few days, but it doesn't appear to be the case. It appears that the angel comes to him and says, hold up with your plans. Don't divorce Mary. You continue to marry her because she's about to give birth to the Messiah, naming Jesus. And after all this is said and done, Joseph gets up from his sleep and says, all right, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. What a phenomenal example for you and I. Now, I don't know if an angel of the Lord has ever appeared to you or not. Perhaps an angel has, or perhaps an angel hasn't. But no doubt, there's probably for each one of us something that God has called us to do in our life that is no doubt uh, probably not nearly as difficult for, for what he told Mary. I mean, if the Lord came and told us that, we'd probably go put ourselves in a psychiatric hospital. There's something going on here. I just, I'm hearing these voices. I'm seeing these things. We would, we would argue with the Lord. Certainly we would. I mean, there are things that God has called you to do today, probably. 
and in the past that you have said, oh, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. But what a beautiful example that Mary and Joseph give us here, that when God appeared to them, that when God revealed to them, hey, I want to use you for this thing, for my kingdom, for my glory, that they said, yes, Lord, I'm willing to do what you say. What about you and I? What has God called you to do? Now, I can assure you that God is not going to call you to carry the Son of God and bring the Son of God into the world. That has already been done through Mary. And maybe the things that God call us to are not quite as miraculous, or maybe they are in some way, shape, or form. Because everything that God calls his people to do is all for the kingdom of God to build up his kingdom. No matter how grand it may appear to you or how grand you may think it be or how miraculous others may view it. If God has called us to something, it is to accomplish his will for his kingdom. But what is our response when the Lord speaks to us? As soon as we read God's word and we feel the conviction, do we say, Lord God, I am yours, may your will be done. Or do we say, oh no, Lord, not me. When we feel the Holy Spirit convicting us to do that work, to see that person, to share God's love, to help somebody, to do something out of our comfort zone, do we say, Lord, here am I, send me. That's our response, right? That was Isaiah's response in the beginning of Isaiah. Here I am, Lord, send me. That was Mary's response. Lord, I've heard what you've said. May your will be done. I'm yours. Joseph's response. The Lord speaks. He says, all right, God, if this is what you want, this is what I am going to do. And what a beautiful part of this story that maybe we kind of miss over. I mean, we certainly focus on Jesus, praise the Lord. That's what it's all about. But what a great example that may slip by us and Mary and Joseph and how they lived their life, and how they responded to the Lord. It was through Mary that the Son of God came. It was through Mary that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, came, and he came for one purpose. What a beautiful story when we think about the nativity and the birth of Jesus Christ and the shepherds and the wise men. What a beautiful story that that is. But the reality is that Jesus came for a much more difficult purpose. He came so that he could die on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven. He came so that we could be forgiven. And today, really all of us have the same choice as Mary and Joseph. Maybe you're already a child of God and God's calling you to do something. Maybe you need to say, Lord, here I am. I'm ready to do it. Send me where you want me to go. Let me do what you've called me to do. Or maybe there are some in this room today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe today that is what God's calling you to. Maybe today through this passage, through the story of Jesus' birth, maybe you see, you know what? Jesus is the Son of God. He's the only one that can forgive me of my sins. And that is the choice that we must, wait, that we must make. God says, okay, I'm sending my Son. You will follow Him or you won't. God's desire is that we would all put our faith in Jesus Christ and be forgiven of our sins, but that's the choice that we have to make. God revealed himself to Mary and Joseph, and they had the right response. They said, Lord, here I am. I am yours. And that's what God desires for each of us today, that we would put our faith in Jesus Christ, and when we hear the words, when we know that we are sinners, when we know that Jesus is our Savior, that we would say, Lord Jesus, here I am. I put my faith in you. God, I thank you for sending your son all those years ago, and I am going to trust him 
Lord, may your will be done. I am your slave. That needs to be our response today. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these good words. God, help us to never miss the, the amazement of this passage and what took place, dear Lord. It's, it's miraculous. It's, it's on the surface, maybe almost unbelievable, dear Lord. But God, that's what we have faith in, that you can do the impossible. And that's exactly what you did through Mary. You did the impossible, dear Lord. And we thank you for doing that through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that if there is one in this room that does not have faith in the truth and the power of this miracle that took place all those years ago, that maybe today you'd convict them, that you'd work on their heart, dear Lord, that you would let them know today that, hey, this one that came, this one is the Messiah. This one is the salvation that we need. And God, there is no other salvation coming. It has already come in Jesus Christ. We accept the salvation before us or we do not. Lord, God, maybe there are some that you are calling to be yours today. What will be their response? Will it be, Lord, here I am, I am your slave? Or will it be an attitude of rejection, dear Lord? God, I pray that maybe even for those who are yours today, that when they hear your word, hear your calling, that they would be, they'd be faithful to be obedient to what you call them to, dear Lord. No doubt there are things and opportunities you put in our path that you want us to do for you and for your kingdom. And maybe we're too afraid to do it. Maybe we're too lazy to do it. Whatever it may be, dear Lord, I pray that you would help us to take the step to do the things that you call us to do. Lord knows it had to have been a super scary time for Mary, a young girl carrying a child. But yet, God, she was willing to serve and willing to do what you called her to. God, let us be so faithful to do the same. Let us be righteous men and women like Joseph to want to want to do what is right. Let us be like Joseph that when we hear your word preached to us, taught to us, when we read it, dear Lord, when the Holy Spirit convicts us that upon hearing your word and feeling your guidance, God, that we say, God, all right, I'm doing what you call me to. But God, there is no more important decision that anyone can make today than to put their faith in Jesus Christ who came to die on the cross for our sins. And we thank you for that. And God, if one has made that decision today in these few moments, if they've confessed with their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, if they confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if they repent of their sins, dear Lord, and right now in this moment with their, with their heart, put their faith in Jesus Christ, God, your word says that we are forgiven and we are yours. God, if, if one has made that decision already today, I pray that they just come down here as we have a song of invitation, God that we can celebrate with them, that we can get them baptized. This is your word commands. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.